you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, a podcaster, friend of mine. I used to listen to Matt's show, which is called The Matt Report, back in the day uh, when I was living in Montana, riding around, learning about this thing called the WordPress community and learning about these entrepreneurs in there and this thing going on. And um, luckily, I was able to finally meet you one day and uh, just been on the journey with you over the years. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you, Matt around just digital digital today in 2020 post pandemic world um there's a lot of areas where we overlap so we are like sales and marketing people we're into entrepreneurship we're in wordpress we're into community building uh which i've seen you do both locally in your community in massachusetts and globally just around wordpress um and podcasting Podcasting is another thing you do. Audio is a thing you do. YouTube's a thing you do. Video is a thing you do. You've run an agency. Um, you can you're a sales guy, but you can get a little nerdy like me. And uh, you're like a remote working boss. Which these are all areas where you and I overlap. So we just keep running into each other. And yeah. uh, first, thanks for coming on the show. Matt is also at Castos.com, which is an awesome. Uh, podcasting platform. He's the director of podcasting success over there. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Chris. Thanks. Thank- what an intro. <laughs> what an intro. Uh, I'm glad we overlap, but you far outpace me in many, many other areas. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to be here. When was the first time we met? Was it at the Drift conference, like in person, or was it at a WordCamp? I remember meeting at the Drift conference in Boston. I think that was after I met you at a Pressonomics. Oh, that's right. Pressonomics. In, right. Uh, when it was in. Um, uh, Arizona or Arizona, Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was, but that drift curve conference wasn't long after that, I think. Yeah, man. What I tell you, I mean, obviously drift has been a success as a company, but if you've, if you've ever like dipped your toe into like venture capital or just like looked at investment, when you walked into that room, which was atop the, uh, I think it was John Hancock building right in, in Boston, you were just like, wait a minute, this company hasn't even rolled out a product yet. <laughs> How do they afford, you know, this space, this many people in this lineup of speakers? It still today blows my mind. Uh, but obviously, for I guess good reason, they're doing really well. So, I actually want well, let's start with that. Actually, um, when I went down there to that, uh, a friend of mine in the in the ecosystem of Lifter LMS actually invited me to go because they got like a free bring a buddy ticket kind of thing or something. And I was like, all right. And I'll go into this Boston startup thing, which I've, I've literally been a tech entrepreneur, but I've never been inside my closest tech hub, which is the Boston area, like for the, you know, mainstream tech. And I walk in there and I meet you and I'm like, oh, sweet. There's another WordPress person here. This is cool. I don't think we saw another one, but um, I was like, wow, this SaaS thing is huge. And I'm sitting there in the audience and I'm listening to David Cancel on stage talk about um how long the products existed, how long he's been in business or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I have the same number of customers than you. And I have a team that's like 5% the size. And I'm like, this is like a completely different world. Yeah. And it was cool. And I loved it. But, and I I actually, I really look up to David and the Drift team and how they run SaaS. Like 
I'm like, this is cool. This whole VC back thing, I, we can learn from that. But how do we make that possible? Or, or how do we take the best ideas out of here and apply it as a bootstrapper? It's really fascinating to me. But what, what do you, how do you think about the differences between WordPress tech and the whole WordPress community, all the agencies and the product people and the freelancers and uh, the hosting companies and stuff compared to like traditional SaaS, whether that's Silicon Valley or Boston, MIT, SaaS and uh, other just like real more mainstream venture backed SaaS. What's the difference? Yeah. I mean, I, so for full transparency, I, I've never done a VC deal. deal. I've uh, never been part of, uh, you know, an investment team, though I do mentor uh, at a local accelerator. So I do see this stuff happen. And of course, I've been covering, covering WordPress for quite some time. Look, I think from the business owner's perspective, the only thing that separates uh, the WordPress business owner to that typical SaaS VC play is themselves. It's the, it's the confidence in that person. It's the way they market it. It's the way they brand it. And it's what their vision is. I think a lot of people, like if you looked at David Cancel at the time, not that I know where he was in his backstory at that time, but look, he knows I'm he knows VC. He knows the network. He knows the players in the field. He has connections. Maybe he grew, you know, quote unquote, grew up in that space. So he knew, hey, I'm going to build a business and I'm going to go after money uh, and I'm going to make this a real thing. And then I'm going to take this investment and hopefully turn it into revenue. Whereas I think a lot of WordPress products start with, I'm a happy developer. I fell upon selling product, right? Like so many WordPress people did. And then it's like, they wake up one day, five years later and like, oh, we got a business. Like people are buying things from me. Uh, but I, they never went into it with that forward thinking. Now there's a handful of people that uh, we could cite like a Syed, uh, who is definitely somebody who is very business focused. You could look at the, the former team uh, collectively from uh, copy blogger, uh, and, and that whole uh, sphere of uh, superheroes that put together Brian Clark, uh, Brian Gardner, and everyone else, uh, iThemes, Corey Miller. Uh, but I think what differentiates the value in it, and this is just me theory crafting, is the ownership of the software. And, and, and that point of view from real investors, they go, oh, it's WordPress. Oh, it's open source. You don't really own this. This can pivot at any time, which is true, I guess, to a degree. Uh, so if you're building your product for owning the customer, owning the experience, again, you could cite Syed and this is like, hey, I started with an open source plugin, but by the way, I'm building this big SaaS over here, right? And I own this section over here. This is mine. WordPress, if, if it pivots, it doesn't matter for me and my business because I have this core here. Now, I'm sure there would be a big you know, thing he'd have to do to, 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 to ride that tidal wave if it ever changed. But I think it's, I think it's that. I think from the venture capitalist perspective, they look at it and they go, open source, too much of a risk. I don't think they, may, I don't think they look at it as a bad thing, but they don't look at it as you own this code. It's not an asset, I guess, might be a more technical point of view from it. And I've had Jason Calacanis, uh, who's a, I guess, a prolific angel investor on my show before, you know, and, and he's heard of, uh, you know, he heard of copy blogger blogger. Matter of fact, I made the connection to get Brian Clark on Jason Calacanis's show uh, in passing on Twitter. Once I just said, you should really have a copy blogger on They're a big business. This is years ago. And he's heard of that. Of course, he's heard of Mullenweg. He's had Mullenweg on his show. Um, you know, so, but even him, he, he's not looking at it like, wow, themes are making tens of millions of dollars a year. 
nobody knows. It's still a, a, a hidden thing in plugins too, you know? I kind of just went off on a tangent there, but I think there's just this miscommunication of how the WordPress product owner perceives herself to the to the vast majority of people, and then how maybe investors look at it and go, I don't even think there's a real business over here until they actually discover it and they go, Oh my God, there is a business here. <laughs> let's 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 do these things, right? Tiny seed might be an example of people that invest in in our world. Yeah, there was some white space for that type of investment, the non-unicorn portfolio investment, but it's a different tribe. And the I want in in the vein of tribes, you and I exist in like this digital tribe. We've been here for a long time, uh, but with COVID and the pandemic, you know, as I see all these things, like where okay, everybody's trying to figure out Zoom. People are hitting me up, like teachers that I know from way back are like, "Hey, how do I use this? How do I run a webinar? How do I, how do I do all this stuff?" Like simple podcasting equipment, like the Cam Link three X ten price on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, you know, these podcasts, boom, arm mics are flying off the shelf. The, the ATR 2100 is sold out supply chain. There's like an, a huge digital transformation happening, not just in my niche education and teaching, but just in all categories, just dealing with the situation. Um, what I'm trying to think of where to bring this in when WordPress is a little different, like you said, in that. Uh, there's a lot of democratization going on. The asset is in the hands of the people. You know, we at Lifter, you know, we want to be a model of how to do freemium in WordPress. So we give away most of our value for free, which is very different. But if you look at democratization, whether that's YouTube, like, hey, you can have your own channel, your, your own TV show. Just press upload on your phone and start. Or you can have your own radio show. Uh, there's like this mass democratization that's been happening for a long time, but is really coming into focus. Um, what are your thoughts on just that trend in general and what's happening right now in terms of the long tail of niches and democratization of media? Mm. So I think that there's a, there's lots of threads here that I, I want to touch upon. I will try to do it in a succinct fashion. So Gary V. <laughs> Let's start with him, right? Like everyone probably knows of Gary V. Rightfully so. A uh, really big name in sort of marketing and uh, you know, sort of technology and things like that. And of course, YouTube and, and creating content are perfect play on this, right? And he says everyone should be a media company. Everybody should be thinking about it being a media company. And a hundred percent agree. I remember when I started my agency, what is now twelve years ago, and I met with a local. Uh, they used to run an agency. There's these folks, these guys down here, and they actually now have a small little angel investment firm. And they said to me, like, what's the future? Now, this is back in 2007, 2008. Like, they were like, where do you think it's going? And I was like, I think it's really going to go. This is actually before I even knew who Gary Vee was. I was like, I think it's going to go more like television on the internet. That's the way that I phrase it. It's the only way I knew of it. I didn't know of streaming. I didn't know of live streaming Instagram. So it didn't even exist. And I, think, I thought that was the thing. And they kind of looked at me like, yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> And, you know, but here we are in 2020 and it couldn't be any more, you know, right in that. But Gary Vee says things like everybody should be think of as a media company, which is the allure. It's fascinating. But I'm at the point where now it's like, all right, if you don't have a decent microphone, hurry the hell up, get a microphone. <laughs> it's 50 yeah. bucks or a hundred bucks, right? When you can find them 50 to hundred dollars, because I'm at the point now where look, you're going to be on a podcast. 
you're going to do a live stream. It's not even like you think about it anymore. Maybe I should do this media thing. No, like you have to. And if you don't do it, you might have a peer uh, who interviews you. And I see these two worlds collide with my local podcast down here about an hour south of Boston compared to the Matterport, which is WordPress and, and literally global, where I can, I can send you a Zoom link, you can schedule a call, you hop on, you've got lighting, you've got a microphone, you've got a camera. And in the Matterport world, I don't have to wrangle anyone to get on a podcast. I mean, sometimes, but for the most part, everyone is good quality. But when I do it in my local community, people are like, wait a minute, uh, do like, should I just stand right in the sun? <laughs> like, right. you know, while the sun hits me and there's, and they're using their laptop microphones and it sounds like trash. And I see these two worlds colliding and slowly catching up, but you're not going to have a choice anymore. Uh, I implore a lot of people to start local podcasts and start locally because it's an easier way to win. And yeah, someone's going to eventually knock on your cupcake door and say, Hey, do you want to be on my cupcake show? And you have to invest in something. And at the minimum, you get a good audio because I can't stand listening to podcasts that just sound terrible. Like I just don't have time for it. You have to at least get to the bar these days. So, um, that, you know, I don't know if that answers the question directly, but I see these two worlds colliding. And, I, and what I think this has hap what has happened is this is thrusting people to be better. Like there's no more choice anymore. Like if you don't do the live stream, if you don't do some kind of content marketing and you're not doing this stuff in public, you're doing your brand, your product or your community a disservice. Uh, eventually you become irrelevant, unfortunately, and maybe not for everyone. And I'm not saying it happens immediately, but over the next couple of years, people who are really investing in this medium are going to shine. Um, so you, you definitely want to keep up and at least get you know, the minimum requirements to sound good, just sound good. You don't have to look good, right? You don't have to buy a, a camera like Chris and I, you don't have to get lighting. You just got to get an, at least a good microphone. <laughs> That's it. And sound good during these calls. Let's, I just thought as you were talking, I thought of another, uh, just kind of aspect that you and I share, which is consistency. This is somewhere around episode 300 of eh, LMS I might, test. Yeah, I might, eh, you're a lot more consistent than I am, but go well, ahead. Well, <laughs> you, you create, you have been, I mean, you, you do different projects, but yeah, yeah. you are consistently creating digital content and digital yes. media. Like where does that consistency come from for you? Uh, so 500 podcasts, audio podcasts, probably 400 YouTube videos over eight years, um, which is really small in, you know, at least in my point of view in the world of uh, content creators. And I probably lost a few episodes in there. But a lot of this stuff, like you said, we're, we're out there, we're doing many projects. We're, like you said at the top of the show, we're not afraid to start something new. Like this is what I am I don't even want to say that I'm good at. It's like, it's the thing that I can do with the least amount of stress, <laughs> right? Creating a podcast, creating a video is something that I can do. Now, I hear other people say that. And they say it because it's something they can do quickly mm -hmm. and just ship it. And I try not to approach it that way. When I say it that way, yeah, it's, it's fairly quick for me. Yeah, it's fairly efficient for me. But if I'm doing, let's say, a tutorial on my Plug and Tut channel on YouTube, I mean, depending on what I'm covering, even like a 10-minute video might take me two hours, three hours. If I start doing any kind of B-roll and I'm trying to get creative with it, it's going to take me longer. 
And I don't like, and I don't mean to make this a soapbox rant <laughs> uh, on your show, but I don't like it when, when I hear marketers, again, back to like the no podcast, I'm not even going to buy a podcast. Like I can just create this in my 12 foot ceiling room and just have echoes while I do this podcast and how awesome it is, how quickly I ship this. Like after a while, like you can start that way because that's the way I started, but I looked at it as I want to get better. Like I look at this as an art form which I laughed at when I, when I would tell myself that. Like, I was afraid to say, like, I feel like I'm creating art. And now I'm confident in it. Like, five years later, when I started thinking of this concept, like, I feel like I am creating art. Like, this is my art. And it might not look good to you, might not be your taste, but I feel like I'm always working to get better at it. Um, you know, so... I keep showing up and I keep doing it because I feel like it's, it's what comes most natural to me. And as I get older and, you know, have a million kids running around the house, it is something where it's like, I'm done. Tr I'm trying to limit my chasing the shiny object thing and just saying, you know, podcasting and, and video production, like this is, this is what I'm going to do. Like I, I'm going to stop trying to tinker with a whole bunch of other things and really just commit to this source because there's, it's so much that I can still do with this. I, you know, I feel I haven't even scratched the surface yet. You mentioned tutorials. What are your tips for making great tutorials? And I just want to preface that by saying, I mean, I'm kind of a, a online course geek. So I happen to know that at least a little while ago, the most, popular multi-million maybe tens of million dollar creator on udemy teaches people how to use excel it's a tutorial course for a product they didn't make what's your advice for people creating tutorials for people oh man this one strikes this one strikes a, a chord in in my in my soul chris uh <laughs> and by the way you have matt report but you also have plug-in tut on youtube can you describe the difference yeah, so Matt Report is a much more audio podcast and, and blog when I do have the time to do that. It's really covering the entrepreneurship side uh, of WordPress, but really anybody who's, <clears throat> who's building an online business their way. And uh, youtube.com slash plugintut is where I create tutorials for WordPress. Uh, and that really started, uh, I'll try to give you the quick genesis of it, that really started as just a complimentary thing to, to Matt Report. I was looking at all the stuff I was doing with Matt Report, and for example, like if I had you on the show, I would say, well, boy, obviously he has a plugin. Why this obviously makes sense. Like I could, I could interview Chris, the the business owner, and and perhaps maybe the developer, uh, and then showcase uh, his plugin on a, a tutorial. So it started that way to kind of like build this portfolio of of content. Uh, why I say this strikes a chord with me is because creating tutorials is a difficult task. Like if you care about it it is difficult <laughs> and it is not for the faint of heart. There are like, I will wake up to comments on tutorials that I created, you know, four years ago and I'll have the YouTube trolls coming out saying this software, you know, this doesn't even exist anymore. Like they're getting angry at me, right? Because things changed four years later. I mean, what do you want me to do about that? Others say I talk too fast. Others say I don't cover enough. If I, you know, most recently, I just saw some comments the other day on uh, the NinjaForm plugin. I did a 30 minute video on it. And you have some people saying this is way too long. What you covered took too long. Others say you didn't cover enough. <laughs> it's just like you can't strike a balance. So 
what I say is like, if you're going to go into the tutorial route, you have to be able to put your blinders on to all of those comments. Uh, maybe you're just a unicorn, an awesome personality, and you're a great teacher, and you just knock it out of the park, and that's awesome. Uh, sadly, I'm not, for I guess for, <laughs> for whatever reason, yet I continue to show up uh, because I'm still trying to improve. But I'm also trying to put it in, I'm trying to get in some personality into these tutorials and into the content I make. Like if you're coming to Plugin Tut, you're going to, the content that I put out is much more Let's, let's check out this new plugin. Let's highlight this new plugin and let's talk about some use cases and how I might use this plugin. Um, WP Tuts, uh, who I'm forgetting his name. It's not David Foy. That's another channel. Um, he does a lot of deep dive stuff into Elementor, advanced custom fields. Um, he uses this other one, WP Jet, I think it's called. But he goes really deep. And you know when you're getting content from him, it's really deep content, specifically to like these dozen or so plugins that he always highlights. At my channel, I just like to bounce around, right? I like to highlight new stuff that interests me that I think is really cool. And it's like, it's like a preview of plugins with some of my personality in it. At least that's the way that I like, that's the angle I like to take. So the advice is uh, don't listen to the comments. Don't let that bring you down. Don't let that stop you. Uh, and try to find your own unique angle on it. That's what I try to do. Like I get very envious of, and I'm sure you've seen this, Chris, when you were researching cameras for your show, camera reviewers, right? Yeah. I mean, the content and the opportunity is endless. They're massive markets. They're massive companies, Sony, Fuji, Nikon, Panasonic, like you can cover this stuff and talk smack about a camera and be like, you know, this is the best camera and Sony doesn't know what they're doing. Their autofocus is terrible and you can do fun things with it. B-roll outside, crazy things. And then you get to like WordPress software and you're just like, ah, oh, shit, like all I can do is record a screen, <laughs> right? You know, and then I try to do some elements of B-roll with like a laptop and iPad and try to make it enjoyable. And then you'll get people who are like, just show us how to do the tutorial. I'm like, okay. I'm sorry, like, but this is how I'm going to create the content. Like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is my art. So again, long-winded answer. I don't know if they hit all the right things, but I look at it as art. It's my way, you know, or the highway. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you mentioned camera reviewers. We interviewed one of those on this podcast, LMS Cast. Just do a search for LMS Cast and Sean Cannell. He's a YouTube superstar. He wrote a book, I think, called YouTube Secrets or whatever. It's quite I good. Yep. Yep. Um, I have a question for you uh, related to what you talked about, about like these different markets. And it's really around niching. So I have a similar thing. Like one of my first online course projects before I built an agency, before I got really into WordPress, before I built the software, Lifter LMS, um, I did courses around the organic gardening niche and I partnered with experts and I made it, I made it happen. And some of the free YouTube videos that I put up around that project, I last I looked, some of them had 70,000 views, hundred thousand views, like huge views. If I do a, a show, a YouTube video, my personal channel or about WordPress, it's like hundreds It's small. Like, and I'm not like a, I'm, there's a lot I'm doing besides YouTube, but, not all niches are created equal. Like you mentioned the camera review videos and stuff like that just pop from somebody who's like, I'm a full-time YouTuber. This is everything. Yeah. There's like all these different, um, but without talking about the platform like YouTube versus 
podcasting versus all this stuff, just the concept of niching. Um, I see a lot of people get hung up on, I need to be the expert. The show's about me. I'm an influencer. I want to be the influencer in this niche or whatever. But they, they just have a hard time really getting niched on the audience and really, I don't know, digging in. Can you just speak to, in, uh, in this age where all these digital creation tools are all around us, how do we niche well? And who's an example of a great niche? And could you also speak to niche size like, and how the giant niche isn't necessarily what you want or whatever? Like, Just talk about niching. So let me try to frame this with what I think a lot of people, myself included, like when we're creating content, if, if we're just going out to be that content creator, let's say that YouTuber or that podcaster, what kind of money can we make in it? Right? So when I'm giving advice for starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel, really anything, it's like, so what's the goal? Like, what, what, why do you want to do this? Right? At Castos, when I'm talking to people about the success of their podcast, people just say, well, I, I, I think I want to monetize it. Well, do you need to monetize it? Like, do you need to do sponsorships in your podcast or can we turn this goal into something else? Right? Because that's a, a tough road to climb. So I, I've never talked about this on a podcast before, though it's something that I am thinking about just like doing more on it or disclosing it. But I average between fifteen dollars and $20,000 a year in revenue for the podcast and the YouTube channel. Affiliate revenue, you mean? So I do a mix of direct sponsorship sales for Matt Report. Okay. I do YouTube ads. And then the affiliate revenue is the sort of icing on the cake. So that's what I've been averaging over the last two years. So you just have to look at my numbers. I am not a big creator, right? In the sense of YouTube and numbers. I have 12,000-ish YouTube subscribers. I have the Matt Report podcast and I do $100 sponsorship spots and I make $200 an episode. Um, and then I'd make the affiliate revenue, which I, I barely even really put energy into because I literally have no time at the end of the day <laughs> to like yeah. even focus on like becoming a good affiliate marketer. It's just, I do a video, I say, I highlighted Elementor, here's the affiliate link. I do a tutorial on Lifter LMS, here's the affiliate link. I don't do any other affiliate plays other than just putting the link in the YouTube description. And all of that combined uh, works out to about, Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year, depending on how much affiliate sales I make. But the YouTube ads is steadily growing consistently, and uh, obviously the podcast uh, sponsorships are consistent. So when people you know look at this stuff uh, and and niching down, again, you know it took me eight years to get to this point, which might not you know it's not Pat Flynn level, but I think for some people who put in the effort and can really focus in on this stuff. Um, I mean, 15 to 20 is a good goalpost, especially if you have another job. Can I, if I just focused on that, how long would it take me to double that, right? And we're getting closer to a more, more full-time salary, right? To get, get those levels up. Um, so it's definitely doable and more attainable than I think people, uh, you know, want to admit to. I think a lot of people look at it and like, well, how do I get MailChimp to sponsor my show or PayPal? It's like, you don't need to go that route. You find a company, uh, a niche like WordPress, and you build up the trust, 
And I'll take a step back. How do I do sponsorships for the Matt Report? I don't disclose how many downloads I get. I don't send sponsors an advertisement, you know, breakdown. There's no contracts. I did that in the past and it was painful. <laughs> it was painful. <laughs> it's just the yeah. overhead. It's the time. Yeah. It's the thinking, yeah. right? And when I first monetized my report, which started four years ago, I was getting, uh, I did one full season, 12 episodes, $12,000. It was $1,000. It was $500 an episode for each sponsor, two sponsors per episode. So 12 grand is what it came out to. Um, and I did like some bonus live streams and things like that. But it was, you know, the direct sales. It was a song and dance. It was what's the legal agreement. I had some big hosting companies at the time. I wasn't working for Pagely come to me and say, hey, here's our, here's our marketing contract. There's an SLA here. Like you have to say these here. We have to be placed here. We have to listen to it. We have to do all this stuff. You know, how many downloads are you getting? And I was just like, okay, I entertained it. I made some good money. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I was like, this is, this is draining. Got a full-time job, whatever, worked at Pagely. Uh, and now I've restarted uh, the sponsorship stuff to give myself a goalpost to, to keep going. Like it's a goal for me to continue to create shows so I can get some revenue in. Um, that's the goal. But now it's just $100. And I post it out on Twitter and I say, four spots are available. And I, I do it in this lottery fashion so that one person doesn't come in and just buy up the whole show, right? It's just like a little fun thing that I'm doing. And then I donate 20% of that to um, a Big Orange Heart, which is an organization which helps with uh, mental health and, and, and physical health uh, in the uh, WordPress space, right? It used to be, um, uh, give, uh, used to be, what was it? WP and Up. It used to be WP and Up. Right. So I, I, I'm also trying to give back with this stuff. So people, all of that is to say, people don't ask questions. It's a measly hundred dollars to support one of the highest rated WordPress podcasts in, on iTunes and 20% of it goes to give WP. And then I post my receipt when I donate. Um, so there is profitability in niche, niches. Uh, you know, I couldn't speak to how you identify the size, but WordPress was always something that I loved. Uh, and even in my local market, that's my next goal post for my local podcast is to monetize that show, which is infinitely smaller uh, than the Matt Report audience. But I'm like the only local entrepreneurship podcast in town. <laughs> Quite literally, I can say those words. And I am going to start with $25 an episode. Yeah. And I'm going to do it the same way. I'm going to say two sponsorships per episode, lock it in for a hundred bucks for four episodes. And, um, you know, I'm going to make a few hundred bucks a month there. And it's just going to, it's just going to start to slowly increment, uh, the growth of revenue there. And then I can pay for my podcast hosting. I can pay for my website, maybe pay for editors and really start to scale that out. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, is you don't have to go. So, you know, you don't have to go Joe Rogan level. Yeah. Right? People are like, how do I make a million dollars? Like get that out of your head, <laughs> you know, get that out of your head. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's not going to work for everyone and you can win in other areas. So in, uh, speaking of those other areas in the context of, of niching, what are some of the benefits beyond monetization by developing a digital presence in a niche? Oh, and I, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, like what, like what? Uh, so, you know, so, Number one, it's like 
hey, do I have a service that I can filter people to? That's the obvious win, right? It's like, wh- what do I do? What's my practice? What's my career? Am I a developer, designer? Am I a consultant? Am I helping build, people build courses? It's that, right? Uh, when I was running my agency day to day, I could attribute, when I first started Matt Report in the early days, I could attribute hundreds of thousands of dollars of agency business because of that podcast. From partnerships that I made, relationships that I made, uh, I would use it as a selling advantage. Um, you know, you know, and maybe some of your listeners do know the agency 10 up. Uh, in the early days when we were all really small, all of us, not the size of 10 up now, but you know, people would knock on the door and say, Hey, we're also talking to 10 up. Like, why would we pick you over 10 up? Like, look, 10 up worked with, uh, you know, AOL at the time and be like, Hey, look, uh, that's awesome. They have a great team. I can't compete against on the portfolio piece, but what I can tell you is at the time I have 75 episodes in iTunes. Uh, it's a highly rated show and here's how I do business with people. These episodes here, you can, here's all the social proof of me putting everything out there, right? And that's that other win is it you're, you're putting everything out there when you're podcasting or creating uh, YouTube content, even blog content. Uh, it's the act of just doing things in the open, which you and I have talked about before, which creates opportunity for us. It's a hard thing to just say, like, what's the return on investment in, in this? It's just you're constantly putting yourself out there which is creating opportunity for you in areas you have no idea about that. Like if I never created the Matterport, I never get the job. I never run my agency for eight years. I never get my job at Pagely. I never end up here at castos.com, right? right? <laughs> Being the director of podcaster success. And I attribute all of that to the relationships and the work I put into the podcast. Throw out all of the revenue stuff. That's just pays for my car <laughs> and groceries for my kids. Um, it's the jobs and the opportunities I've created from just putting myself out there. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I do what I do. Why do I do the local podcast? What a useless waste of time. People might say, right. You get like 50 downloads per episode, but what it's doing is strength, uh, strength, strengthening the roots in my local community. Uh, because I grew up in a local car dealership that ran for nearly 50 years and I am just drawn to that uh, attraction to grow a community locally, not just online. Like I want to be able to leverage community here in my home and not even for me anymore. The local podcast is for my kids, which is hilarious to say, but it's the only reason why I, I continue to do it because 18 years from now, when I'm still podcasting locally and my kids need jobs, <laughs> I am going to know somebody, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to know somebody that I've interviewed and I can say, hey, you know, uh, Brock needs a job. Gunner needs a job. Jet needs a job. Uh, and hopefully that's going to pay off, you know, literally 18 years from now. That's the kind of investment I'm looking at with this local podcast so that I can maybe make connections for them that will give them a leg up. That's it. Like those are the things that immediately come to me for value. Any other thoughts just to help people get over themselves when it comes to like free, you know, like for example, free, free software, free that you've been around WordPress for a while. You've seen um, like free services. Like for example, we'll do a strategy call for free maybe, and then build the relationship or free content. I see a lot of people in the early days get like, they're just really reticent to do so much for free. So what's, how do you get the motivation? What does it take to kind of get that flywheel of free going and then realize all these other benefits? Cause it's never right away. Yeah. 
well, obviously you have a great tool <laughs> for this. And it's funny that you bring this up because I was just getting off. I know you have your company meeting. I just got off my company meeting and we're using Lifter uh, LMS in the same capacity that I use Lifter LMS for my local podcast as a lead generation educational tool. Um, and, you know, you start to build the small building blocks of a community. You know, it starts off for the first six months where like 20 people registered. Yay. But then that compounds, <laughs> you know, that compounds over time. Uh, and then you have hundreds, if not thousands in, in the long term. Yeah. Uh, free. Like you have to give away, you know, as much as you possibly can. I had this discussion with Craig who doesn't come natively from this world. Craig, the owner of Casos, uh, who doesn't come natively from, the content marketing in this educational world where he just wants to, Hey, I only want to give this to our customers. And by the way, we've interviewed Craig on this podcast. Oh, He's yeah. from Castos, Craig yeah. Hewitt. So just Google LMS cast Craig. He, he came from a sales background, right? Yeah. Hospital okay. and medical sales. Okay. Um, so he's very much of the mindset of like, man, we're going to put a lot of work into this educational content. I only want to really give this to our customers, which is fine. Like that's a natural <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That thing right there. Yeah. It's that natural thing. I come from a place that says, look, we monetize on somebody creating a podcast with us. You sign up with an account. It's 190 bucks for the year. Like that's where we need to win. Like that's what I want to charge people for. I want to charge people for that value, that connection. And we're going to make that connection through giving away as much stuff as possible. Right. That's my role as podcaster success. And I, I tell him in these meetings, I hope you're not listening, Greg. <laughs> I tell him, like, you hired me to be the success role for creating a podcast. And the only way I know how to make people successful is to just give them all of the knowledge, all of the resources, all of the tools that I can possibly put together for podcasting the way that we do podcasting. And then hopefully you see that okay, you've made this easy. You made podcasting onboarding easy for me. Now we'll sign up to create a a podcast account, right? And I just spent seven, I I created a seven minute video the other day for a customer who was, who wrote in, he signed up for an account and he said, maybe I signed up too soon for my 14 day trial. I don't, uh, I'm in this intimidation mode. Like I'm looking at this stuff. I'm afraid to launch. I don't feel like I'm ready. And I feel like, and he wants to do an interview show. And he said, like, I think what I'm going to do is create 10 episodes solo first, get those out. And then I'll use that as a foundation to ask other people to be on the show. Hey, that's fine. That's a fine way to do it. But 10 episodes is a lot of work to hell with that. (laughs) <laughs> do one or two, maybe like introducing your show. Let's just get right out there and have these conversations with people because believe me, podcasters love nothing than being interviewed. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get people on the show, man. Like let's not wait. Uh, and the great thing is, is so what if you have to change the name in a year? Who cares? Let's define the goal. Let's get the process moving. Let's get these connections being made because what people forget in content creation is that it's going to change. You are literally going to get better every episode or every video or every blog that you put out. Uh, And you're going to find yourself in six months to a year in a totally different direction, much more confident, but you're going to find what you really like. You know, you start broad and then you start to funnel in on things that you're really, really good at. And you don't know that yet. You simply don't know what that path is yet. And you're not going to know if you never launch. So, you know, 
sent out seven minute loom video and then we're going to schedule a call and, and help him out um, and just talk over some of those key points. So yeah. I don't know That's if that awesome. question either. I don't know if I'm answering any of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are. And just to give you more ammunition for Craig, um, I've listened to his podcast. What's it called? Is it Rogue Entrepreneur? Rogue, yeah, uh, Rogue Startups and then uh, Castle's podcast is Audience. Okay. So I've been listening to Rogue Startups for years. Yeah. Craig is, when I think about podcasting, I mean, I didn't even choose SoundCloud when we first got on. Yeah. But when I think of like, new school podcasting, you know, something, sometimes a SaaS software comes around you're like, all right, yeah, that's the new school way to do it. I need to switch. I got this technical debt or whatever, but once I get around to it, this is what I'm going to switch to. Mm -hmm. The main reason, like I've been listening to Craig in my earbuds, talk to the other um, software entrepreneur. I'm trying, I can't remember that guy's name uh, Dave. For, for years, Dave. And uh, so top of mind, top yeah. of mind. So yeah. all that free content and just listening to them work through their, SaaS business challenges his uh it's huge but it's very tangential to like past us being top of mind for me i'm mostly as a not you know boston or san francisco or new york based entrepreneur i listen to these conversations to as a way of having some community around entrepreneurship when i don't live in a tech hub yeah and so that's just been uh, super helpful, that content. Another great one is Brian Castle and Jordan Gall, their yeah. podcast where they're chatting. Yeah. Like they're just having a conversation. I'm just listening. It feels like you're eavesdropping or whatever, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's, uh, I've learned a lot. I mean, for example, on that one, um, one of them was talking about um, using your documentation as part of the content funnel and mm -hmm. focusing on that. And I made a pivot to that a long time, time ago. It really paid off. Yeah. I just got that by listening to a podcast or whatever. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to get your comment on. I was listening to there by the way, you're if you're watching this on YouTube, go to the Lift Your LMS YouTube channel, you can see this conversation. Or if you're just listening, there's another big tech podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us by Jason Calacanis that you mentioned. I was recently listening to him talk about this exploding software called Substack, which is yeah, like a software for paid newsletter. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the episode, I was getting ready for it. I was gearing up. And then he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. There's a lot of problems with the model. Um, you know, Tim Ferriss tried to make his podcast paid in, for a spirit experiment. Then he went back to free. And Jason's like, I'm always going to keep it free because every time I try to do Patreon or something else, it, I dilute the value of free. So I, I just found that interesting, especially coming from um, more traditional SaaS, let's, let's make some money kind of kind of area uh yeah so jason's an interesting guy so he runs inside.com which literally started as a single email newsletter and for those of you that have never seen it before you can go and subscribe to different categories of news and it's actually literally the place i go to get my news the most consistently because it comes to my inbox and I can subscribe to the things that interest me the most. Uh, and he's got a cool model uh, where, you know, you can get three free categories and if you need more, you pay whatever the small uh, fee is to subscribe for the year. Uh, so, you know, the Substack conversation was interesting. I know the episode you listened to, I actually talked about it with Craig because we have private podcasting at Castos and that's where uh, an individual user can subscribe to a private podcast that you create 
on an individual email basis and they get a unique RSS feed that they subscribe to. So what that means is for you as a content creator, you can remove that access at any point. So this is perfect for like Lifter, and this is not a segue into anything we even planned to talk about, but good on you if you did weave this in. So if you're a Lifter, you can connect up your private podcast uh, on Castos and a user comes in, they subscribe to your Lifter course, LMS course, and then it goes, they get, oh, boom, they get this private RSS feed uh, that they can listen to a private podcast on. And then if that user no longer gets value from you anymore and they cancel their education subscription with you or you move on with something else, that they get that feed taken away from them and they no longer get the new content in a podcast. And when he was, and that's like Substack, but for podcasting. And when he was talking about it, I thought it was a, an amazing conversation. Uh, you know, but what he was highlighting is that you get to this point where if there's a creator on Substack making $100,000 a month, a million bucks a year, roughly, um, you know, they would say, well, why am I paying Substack 10% of this? Like, why am I paying 150 grand a year when I could probably build it myself for 150 grand a year? Um, so definitely interesting conversations from the content, from the content space, which I, you know, obviously your audience is in, like you're creating this content to uh, educate people. Uh, I would definitely implore people listen to that episode for sure. What really got me at the end of the day is he said, you know, you could just turn to something like Ghost and do it that way. And I was like, God damn, Jason, why didn't you say WordPress? Right? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And I think I went into the stream, the Twitter stream after, because he actually posted a screenshot of Ghost and Substack alongside of each other. Like, because, you know, Ghost doesn't take the revenue share or whatever. I was like, but you can also do this with WordPress. And WordPress also has tons of plugins to like monetize this stuff too, right? So... Uh, Newsletter Glue is one that I interviewed um, uh, Leslie Sim on my podcast for, and she is actually building a Substack alternative on WordPress. Um, so yeah, lots of choices. Uh, that was a great discussion though. That's awesome. And another uh, WordPress solution out there I just want to mention is Groundhog with two Gs. They have a newsletter. You can do broadcast emails all from your WordPress site. They even have a payments module. So you could literally, instead of paying Substack $150,000 a month, you can sign up for Groundhog and you're Good to go there. Um, awesome, Matt. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I love digging into this stuff with you. And I'm glad you brought up a uh, private podcast that hasn't been on, that wasn't on my list to talk to you about today. But I know Castos has, has been working on this. I'm super excited for it for the course creator and the membership site builder. And by the way, my, my strategy for that, do both. Have a free podcast and then have a premium. It's not like you got to go all in on one side or the other. And if you want to, the cool thing about podcasts and especially a private, like exclusive podcast is this whole concept of portable content where, you know, on YouTube or on your desktop, there's all this noise and, you know, whatever. But when it comes to audio only, you've got podcasts, you have audiobooks, and you have music and it's portable, meaning you can wash the dishes, you can go for a run, you can commute. It's there's a lot more white space and room for that. And more and more people I find are becoming these auditory learners or whatever. So it's, it's a great thing to check out. So head I over. Thought I, every, I thought yeah. I knew everything about podcasting <laughs> like yeah. before I started my role here at Castos. And yeah. then I uncovered just the million ways that people are using podcasts and organizations, nonprofits, big brands um, are using podcasting to educate their, their company. Right. So, look, we can't get in person anymore and people are burned out from Zoom. 
there's a lot of people turning to private podcasting and delivering internal education to their sales teams, you know, globally, big companies are using it to educate many departments. So we were talking to a big brand the other day, um, many departments, they have 50 internal podcasts. They're wow. using it for all aspects of education because it's portable. So it's not like show up at 9 a.m. on Monday and get all into a Zoom room and listen to this stuff. It's like, hey, this podcast episode is going out. Please listen to it over the week. You have a week to listen to this. And then next Monday or next second Monday of every month is going to be another podcast, right? So they're giving their staff like the way that they want to be educated it's through their podcast. And I, from a marketing perspective, I love it because it is literally, like you said, we have podcasts, music, and audiobooks. I love it because it's like audio messaging. Once you get somebody into your private podcast, they're subscribed to it like any other podcast and you upload another podcast and it goes right into it. So yeah. if it's a course, it's just boom, delivered right there. There's no friction once they're a member. That's what I love about it. The future is here, folks. The future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Matt and I are early adopters to all this digital audio, video tech. We've been in this for a while, but still, this is the early days. Um, I remember going through Seth Godin's, uh, there was this series on Earwolf something or other about startups where I, it really helped me learn a lot in my early days of becoming a digital entrepreneur and marketer. Uh, it's here. But it's still early days. That's what I want, why I wanted to have this conversation with you so that um, people can see some power media users that are you know, independent creators. And but still, there's so much opportunity, especially in your local community like you're talking about. But there's so much out there. How can the good people of the web best connect with you, Matt? Well, if you're interested in the, the Matt Report stuff, it's mattreport.com. If you want to check out the Castos stuff, I recently put together castos.com slash podcast greater, castos.com slash podcast greater. And you can go and get a little grade on where you're at in your podcasting journey. And then that'll give you a whole free checklist of running an interview show. And then you can actually uh, opt into a private podcast so you can get the whole feel of what the whole private podcast technology is like. So castos.com slash podcast greater. Awesome, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to do this again down the road. Yeah, man. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.